Hey, I'm Allie. And I'm Waylon. Welcome back to the Entrepreneurs Podcast, the podcast for and by female entrepreneurs in college. Each week, we bring to you stories of female entrepreneurs around the world as we kickstart our very own entrepreneurial journeys. Today, we are delighted to have on Sophie Barron, founder and CEO of The Conversationalist, the go-to destination to amplify Gen Z voices. The Conversationalist is a community and content platform that empowers young people everywhere to have conversations that matter. The Conversationalist recently launched their first new talk show, POVZ, where Sophie serves as the host. Sophie is a unifier from Wichita, Kansas, recently named 25 Under 25 by Social Entrepreneurs Magazine and 21 Women Entrepreneurs to Watch in 2021. Her social impact journey began at the University of Pennsylvania, where she received her bachelor's degree in communications and her master's degree in nonprofit leadership. Join us as we talk with Sophie about how to break open echo chambers and build extended networks through conversations that really matter. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Sophie, we are so, so, so excited to have you today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you both? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. I love your excitement. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Yeah, just getting started. We'd love to ask you what excites you when you wake up in the morning. I wake up every day ready to take on the world. I feel so grateful to be living out my purpose. And so I think what excites me about every day is the potential for all the conversations I have and I have yet to have. Um, Yeah, I always kind of wake up excited to see what the day has in store, but always knowing that I try to push myself outside my comfort zone and outside of my echo chamber. So that kind of helps me get out of bed in the morning. Um, What about the two of you? No one's asked us that. Thank you. Um, amazing. I think but I just love being alive. Every day I journal. I write my highlights, the like, grateful for, excited for the future. And every single day my highlight is that I wake up. Like, I just feel so lucky to be alive. What about you, Waylon? I'm not, I don't have such a great morning routine. I really just roll out of bed and I'm excited to eat my rolled oats. But something that really gets me out and like excited is to just see what I'm going to get done for the day and see like the small moments of gratitude that I have. Um, Those are really, really important to me. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, Switching gears slightly, I would love to hear more about the conversationalist and the platform that you're building, um, kind of from the start, the beginning, from the idea, all the way to what it is now. Oh man, yeah, you got it. I'll try to do the abridged version. Um, But the way that I always like to start is just by sharing that I am a unifier. Everything that I do in this world, no matter where I go, I am on a mission to bring people closer together to make the world feel smaller. And the way that I do that is through conversations. And it all originated back at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, And I guess you could say before that, but I won't go fully into the backstory, but essentially I grew up in Wichita, Kansas in the Midwest. Most people don't even know where Wichita is. Um, Have you two ever been to Kansas? No, but one of my good friends is from there. He's there right now. (laughs) Amazing. Okay, well, that's rare and totally normal. Most people have no idea even where Kansas is. And my whole life, I grew up wanting to be that person that was going out and making a difference and making things happen. But I constantly felt like I didn't have a voice. I was the only Jewish kid in my entire grade throughout K through 12 education and largely my community. And so being the only one really caused me to feel some shame around my identity and who I am. Um, And so growing up, I constantly felt like I wanted to make a difference, 
but I didn't know how. And I really felt like I was only able to use my voice if someone gave me that permission to do so. So classic in classic Kansas fashion, I followed the yellow brick road to Penn on the East Coast. And for the first time being outside of that Midwest bubble, I felt like I had some agency to do something of my own. And so I realized that on campus, everyone was kind of just hanging out with people who were like them. I was doing the same thing. I was hanging out with all the Jewish kids. You know, childhood Sophie was so happy, but I realized that everyone at Penn was doing the same thing with their quote unquote identity groups. So I felt like for the first time I could do something about it. So long story short, I started this club on campus called Table Talk conversationalist 1.0 and started creating forums around campus to make new friends outside of your friend groups, have conversations that matter and just hang out with people from different walks of life. And so started slowly building table talk, realized that this problem existed beyond Penn's campus. So before I knew it, turned table talk into a nonprofit, scaled it to over 80 college and high school campuses and realized that there was such a need for conversation. And so long story short, <laughs> don't wanna keep talking for much longer. Um, the 2016 election rolled around and this kind of took the concept of the echo chamber to another level for me. And I think for the first time I realized that not only are we staying within our identity groups, but we're also not having conversations about important issues from multiple perspectives. And after that election happened, everyone on my campus was shell-shocked that Donald Trump could become the president of the United States. And in that moment, I finally used my voice. I took pen to paper and started writing about the echo chamber and how we have to surround ourselves with people from different points of view in order to reaffirm our own beliefs, to grow and to understand the world through other people's eyes. And that column was published in the Huffington Post. And long story short, that was the spark behind the conversationalists. I realized that we needed a place for our whole generation to go, to come together, to actually talk about the things that matter from multiple points of view. So that's TC and we're here today in 2021, just figuring it out one step at a time, but that's the backstory. I really don't know where to begin. I have such immense respect for you and I actually really relate to your story, especially about being the only one. Like yourself, I was the only Jewish kid eight through grade 12 living in Hong Kong at a Christian school. So I really understand what you mean. And I think conversation is really what brings people together. Talking about, yes, your similarities, but also your differences as well. And to really bash those echo chambers. And that's something I was able to do last year, especially through live by having these political conversations, having uh, philosophers, conversations of people from different backgrounds, of different um, socioeconomic groups, and all these sorts of things, but that's really where the conversations start. Um, so continuing on, I'm curious to hear about what sorts of insights you've been able to gain through these in-depth conversations, where these conversations have led with COVID, with, uh, you said Trump was a huge impact on these conversations. So like, what sorts of insights and new perspectives have you gained through these conversations? That's a great question. And Ali, I'm excited to hopefully unpack some of your own experiences too at some point surrounding the echo chamber. It's so awesome to hear that you have these conversations too. I think there are new insights that I feel like I'm learning every single day. Um, 
But right before I started TC, I actually went out and conducted a ton of market research because I realized that I didn't want to just create something to create it. I really wanted people to need this and want this. And so from that market research, I realized that a huge reason as to why we're actually struggling to have these conversations as a generation is because we don't know enough about these topics and we're afraid to have them with people who think differently than us. And so I think those two insights really led to the creation of what the conversationalist is now. And I think something that I've learned over the course of the past year and a half when we founded is that at the end of the day, we have so much more in common with one another than that which divides us. And I think conversations are the only pathways in which we can uncover any potential for common ground. And I think most times due to polarization and how divided our world has become, I think we forget to acknowledge our shared humanity at times. And at the end of the day, for the most part, and hey, there are always scenarios of people who don't want this, but I'm such an optimist and a believer that at the end of the day, all of us want the same thing. We all want to live happy, fulfilled, successful lives, we want to leave a mark on the world. And I think what divides us is just the different pathways in which we all conceive of getting there. And so I think one of the biggest insights that I found through kind of our conversationalist magic and the ability that we've been able to kind of garner these conversations in a really down to earth way is that you can actually uncover those pathways once we get a little closer together and acknowledge that we're all human beings, we all have a right to exist, and we all want to build a better world. And so I think that's been a huge insight for me is that at the end of the day, we all kind of want the same thing, but we all have different conceptions of how to get there. I resonate with that so much. I think especially when you go to college, you really see that, that people can come from such diverse backgrounds, but really first semester, freshman year, everyone wants to, wants to just feel accepted and wants to feel like they're a part of the community. And I think that was definitely something I learned and difficult for sure. Um, I would love to hear more about how you went from that idea of wanting to unify people to really getting down to it and like building out this idea because I think a lot of people want to unify, but don't really know how to. Do you have any advice for young college students who really want to take in your footsteps? That's a great question. And again, this is only me speaking from my own experience. But for me, I have always just been a risk taker. Like I said, in high school, I was like always the kid who ran for student body president. I auditioned for the lead in every musical. I was just like taking risks and hoping that one day they would pay off. And and so I think when you're starting anything, there's this hurdle that you have to get over of just putting yourself out there. And I still struggle with this today, even putting my face out there as a part of the brand and constantly putting my ideas out there in the world. And I think that's the biggest place that I struggled with starting that I wish I would have known sooner is that really oftentimes our biggest obstacle is ourselves. And so if you're looking to start anything, whether it's a movement, a social media account, a business, a nonprofit, just put yourself out there. I remember starting Table Talk at Penn. The first step I took was emailing, cold emailing, I love the cold email, every single leader on campus, every president of every club, every administrator, even the dining services, and asking them to grab coffee. 
And I just wanted to get into a room, share my passion for this idea and get other leaders who are already creating the culture on campus on board. And I think that's a really great place to start, you know, start sending those cold emails, reach out to your dream mentor because you never know what could come back. And that was incredibly formative and just starting to lay the foundation for what the conversationalist is now. So that's probably my biggest piece of advice. Um, and then in terms of unifying, I think it all starts with yourself. You know, I it took me a long time to realize how prevalent echo chambers were in my own life. You know, growing up in the Midwest, coming to the East Coast for school, those were already two very different echo chambers. And I think once I started having some harder conversations with myself first and realizing, okay, what's stopping me from wanting to get outside of that echo chamber, what can I do that's small every single day to break outside of that? And what could the ROI look like? And I think just trying it allowed myself to really get out there and see it for myself. Um, so if anyone wants to start unifying, it's the simplest piece of advice I give, but try following five to 10 people on social media who just have a different lived experience than you. It doesn't have to be someone on the polar opposite side of the political spectrum or someone from a completely different circumstance, but just try following people who have a different set of lived experiences than you do. And you'll start to kind of break down those echo chambers at least online. And then hopefully you can start translating that to the IRL space. So I guess those are my thoughts. I think that is such incredible, incredible advice. And it's so funny you mentioned that because my and I actually spent the whole day reaching out to people on LinkedIn, cold call, just seeing, because I think, especially as a university student, you just want to learn. That's it. It's not a matter of like, hey, let's collaborate, let's merge at companies, let's act, let's, let's have an acquisition. It's, hey, I'm young, I'm hungry, I want to learn, I want to gain experience. And of course, we want to share the experience. So I think that's such, such, such fantastic advice. Oh, I was just going to say, Ali, you're so right. And people love talking about themselves. So relationship building is key just yeah. to kind of put yourself out there and start that initial conversation because in, at the end of the day, the best advice I've ever received is that you are only as good as the people who know you. And the more you can build up those long-term relationships, the better you'll be served down the road. That is so, 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 so powerful. I also hear this phrase a lot that's like your net worth is your network, which is another element to look at that. But I think that's so amazing. My friend also talks about this idea of like you're, you're a mosaic and almost every person you meet, they're like a little pixel on you. And some people may take up like more pixels and some might take up smaller pixels, but everyone is a little bit of you. Um, so with that in mind, I'm sure you've had just a bunch of different conversations. So how do you keep those connections? Let's say you meet someone, you want a cool connection with them in that moment. How do you continue that connection? How do you keep in contact and tap in managing different people from around the world, different backgrounds, schedules? How do you find a time or a method to like continue that connection? Totally. So you might think I'm crazy, but I really think relationship building is a science. So the the easiest thing that i do to keep relationships up during the year is through birthdays i'm such a birthday person i want to help make other people feel special so what i often do is when i'm asking people to connect whether it's a coffee date or we're just emailing back and forth at some point i'll slip in ps when's your birthday if i can't like find that online somewhere and i put it in my calendar and i have it as a recurring date so when that comes up 
I always reach out to that person on their birthday because I think it's important that when you're building relationships, it's not just a one-time ask. I think we all have had those moments when someone reaches out to us with a hidden agenda and that person hasn't really kept up a relationship with you throughout the year. And like we said, relationships are really marathons, not sprints. So any way that you can insert yourself into those people's lives throughout the year is a game changer. Birthdays are a great way to do this. I don't know if you're big social media people, but I am. And even a simple comment or a reaction on someone's story can keep up kind of your presence in their life. And they think of you as like a steadfast supporter. Um, so that's something that I try to do as often as possible to make people feel like seen and special. Um, and then beyond that, constantly following up. I think if you're ever networking with someone or having an initial phone call or a Zoom meeting, if you say you're gonna do something for that person, do it. Be that person, go the extra mile and try to do so within 24 hours. Show that person that you're really committed to being in their corner. Or even if you didn't say you were gonna follow through on something, just follow through on a follow-up and send a message, say, I love speaking with you. Please let me know if there's anything I can do to help support you and try to add as much value as possible. I think that's the best way to keep relationships building and growing in that middle space between actually having a formal discussion. So those are some of my tips. Um, what about you two? Do you have any advice? I love that so much. I would actually love to touch upon like building that confidence to reach out to people. I think throughout high school and even college, it can feel pretty intimidating. Um, I know like my first couple of weeks, it was like we were all online and everyone was really just trying to get to know each other. But some days I would just feel a little insecure almost about reaching out and like building those friendships. Um, I was wondering if you have any advice for more introverted people or people who get like a little bit more nervous about reaching out and like making those relationships. Totally. And I feel that so much. I struggle with imposter syndrome every single day, but I always remind myself, what's the worst that could happen? They don't respond. Great. You move on. You, you know, try following up, but at the end of the day, you can't be everything to everyone. So at least you put yourself out there but it's hard to kind of even make that first step. So for me, I think I've gotten more comfortable speaking and connecting with people on Zoom, but if you're not quite there yet, try to take pen to paper, kind of like what I did with that article. Like I think email outreach is the best place to start because you do it on your own time and you can put your thoughts together. You can actually really consolidate all of your asks into one place so that you feel really confident about what you're reaching out about. I think that's a great place to start. And I think the essence of any outreach is making sure that you have a purpose. You know, like you, you've received emails before where you're more inclined to respond than to others. And I think if you can really whittle down what your ask is, whether it's for coffee, whether it's a LinkedIn connection, whether it's to, you know, get some sort of advice on something, tell them about something you're building, make sure that you have the ask really clear because someone's way more inclined to say yes if you're very specific about what you're asking for, but also potentially what you can offer that person as well. So totally feel you. It's a little uncomfortable when you reach out for the first time, but just have faith, trust the process that it's going to work out. I think I've struggled with this so many times, but now in hindsight, I've been able to interview people like Dr. Oz. We've even gotten Emma Watson to open our emails. Like you've just got to put yourself out there and you never know what could happen. That is so important. I always tell my 
myself and my friends that if you reach out, you don't get an answer. You're pretty much just in the same spot as you were originally. You don't have a connection with them. So I think that's really great advice. Um, I would love to just hear in general, in terms of connections, building your relationships, what do you think people are missing in terms of wanting to get out of that echo chamber? So let's say you're surrounded in like a IRL subreddit, basically, you're in such a niche. How do you extend yourself to get out of that, um, that echo chamber? Yeah, great question. And Ali, do you mean personally or professionally or a mix of both? I think that's great. I think it could be for both, both for professionals, maybe for someone in a different industry, but also personally, someone from a different political opinions, a different background, religion, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, whoever that may be. Totally. So I think it goes back to what you want to get out of said relationship. You know, if you're looking to network professionally and you want to connect with someone in, in a different industry, try to utilize the resources at your fingertips, right? Like do some stalking on LinkedIn. If your university has like an alumni database, just start looking in places where you can find different types of people that there still might be one degree of separation to because the best way to establish any connection is through some sort of mutual interest or mutual person. Um, the thing that I always love to share is that the more specific you can be when you reach out to someone about what you have in common with them, the more likely that person will be to respond. Like I know we just talked about being specific with your ask, but before you even get there, try to find a commonality. I, I'll give a quick example. Um, so forever, I admired this woman. Her name is Kate Ward. She was the founding editor-in-chief of Bustle. She's such a badass. And I really wanted to reach out to her to get coffee because when I started TC, it was going to be a content platform. And I was like, oh my gosh, she would be the perfect person to talk to, pick her brain. And so I started doing some research on Kate. I listened to a couple podcast interviews. I did some research online. And in one of her interviews, she stated that she loves cheese, more specifically burrata. And I'm such a cheese gal. So my first outreach message to Kate was asking her to go try the new burrata mac and cheese with me at Murray's Cheese Bar in New York City. And because I reached out with a more human ask and something that showed that I really acknowledge her and see her and did some research and my homework, that person in this case, Kate was so much more likely to say yes. And we were able to get together and now she helps me and advises me on my company. So I think if you can know what you're going in to ask this person for, establish that first, then do your homework, try to find some sort of human connecting point to get that person to want to respond to you. And then from there, you can always try to ask that person to put you in touch with someone else. You know, if you go into a meeting without a real ask, I think it's way better that way in the first place. You're really just genuinely relationship building during that interaction. You can always ask to be put in touch with someone else. So in that scenario, I was like, Kate, do you have anyone else in your network who you think it would be great for me to talk to? And oftentimes that person will say yes. And that's when that echo chamber breaks because someone's willing to extend their network to put you in touch with another person and maybe even identify that person beforehand if you know they're connected to someone else. So I think that's a great way to break open your professional echo chamber. Um, and then personally, try doing some of the same, you know, like maybe even try to venture onto like Bumble BFF and start connecting with people outside of your own network and you never know what could happen. 
I ended up meeting with someone on Bumble BFF or maybe it was Bumble Business and we ended up launching the conversationalist together. And I think it's just a matter of putting yourself out there. Um, so those would be my tips. Just kind of put yourself in scenarios where you're surrounded by people whom you wouldn't otherwise meet. I think that's so great. And something that we, one of the first things we did when we started this podcast actually was we reached out to a professor and I was on a call with her and I was like, how do we get, how do we start building our network? And one of the best things that she's done and told us was that you have one person on your podcast and you ask them to refer you to one of their friends or one of, or two of their friends. And then when you get those people on your podcast, ask for their two friends and then slowly, exponentially, you're going to see growth. And we saw like, you know, we had like four people we reach out to and that was like 15 and that was 20. And slowly that network started building. I think that's something so simple and it really does wonders. Um, switching gears slightly, I would love to hear more about some of the challenges that you face while building the conversationalist um, and also how like your definition of failure and how that has changed throughout your entrepreneurial journey. It's a great question. For me, I think the obstacles have happened internally in our community when a conversation goes awry or if we realize at the end of the day that a specific person just doesn't really want to become a better conversationalist. And I've had to kind of come to terms with the fact that, you know, again, brands can't be everything to everyone and not even everyone can be a match for TC and that's okay. So I think some of the biggest obstacles have been, you know, wanting to give everything I can to individual Gen Zers to help them become better in how they present their ideas, seeing, the world beyond their own echo chambers. And sometimes people just don't want to get there. And that's been really challenging um, because at the end of the day, I'm such an optimist and I want to believe that this organization, this community can be for everyone. But the reality is that not everyone's ready to break open their echo chamber and really sit with different points of view. And that's okay. So I'm trying to just channel that mindset that like, we'll be here when you're ready, but it's okay if we're not for you right now. And so I think that's really been the hardest part because I think failure to me has been failing to provide a place for every Gen Zer to come together and have these conversations feel seen and heard and valued, but it's not for everyone. And so I think I'm trying to be better about kind of re resetting that expectation from the get-go, but I just have a full belief that every human being has the potential to become better. So I think that's why we really stand for canceling cancel culture, because we're never going to just remove someone for their own beliefs. But if someone's not willing to come to the table in the first place, then it's okay if our brand isn't for everyone. I love that so much. And I think that's so true for so many startups when they first start, like even for this podcast, like both me and Ali really believe in this message of every girl should have the opportunity to be an entrepreneur, um, but not everyone, you know, listens to this podcast. Not everyone wants to support, and that's that's fine and something we we deal with. Um, how do you think? Like, what what do you think is the future for the conversationalist in the next like two to three years? So, with the pandemic slowly coming to a close, God willing, we really want to evolve this community back to the face to face space. I would love to be in a room with the two of you right now, actually having this conversation in person, because I really feel like that's where 
social ties are created and human connection can truly be restored. So the future of TC looks like yearly summits and live events and meetups and ways to really take this community back to the, the third dimension. So super excited about where that goes and hopefully that means I'll get to meet the two of you one day, um, but that's that's my vision for the future. Yeah, for sure. And as we begin to wrap up the podcast, we love to ask our guests, what is one thing that you are grateful for today? I love that, that question. I don't know if it's too cliche to say this conversation, but <laughs> that's kind of what I'm feeling right now. I just so appreciate the two of you and how you're really working to build a platform to have these real conversations. Like that's, that's what gives me life. And it's so awesome to see the two of you doing this day in and day out. And I just feel so lucky to be a part of it. Amazing. Uh, next question we'd love to ask is what is something you love about yourself today? Oh my gosh, the hard hitting questions. Um, I don't know if this counts, but I'm kind of a workaholic and I made a promise to myself that I would get out of my apartment at least once a day. And before I hopped on your podcast, I actually went to CVS, bought some more Tide Pods. And normally it's like at the end of the day and I'm like, Ugh, I have to do this, but I did it first thing in the morning. And I'm just happy that I, I followed through. I love that so much. And to end us off, um, how would you define entrepreneurship in a couple sentences or one sentence? I believe that entrepreneurship is a really special endeavor where leaders serve to not create followers, but to empower more leaders. And I think that's my, my definition of entrepreneurship. I love that so much. Um, thank you for joining us on the podcast. If our audience wants to check you out and check the conversationalists out, where can they do that? Yes, please reach out to me. I'm on Instagram. I'm on all the platforms at Sophie Barron. Send me a message. Would love to get to know anyone. Ask me questions. Let's have conversations. And also check out the work that we're doing. Just go to our website, theconversationalist.com or check us out on Insta at The Conversationalist. And we'd love to welcome you into our community. That wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you learned a lot about Sophie and how she aims to unify the world one meaningful conversation at a time. Check out our past episodes and look out for our upcoming episodes featuring inspiring female entrepreneurs through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this podcast now. To stay updated and involved, join the Entrepreneurs Podcast community on our Instagram and LinkedIn and get in touch with us to share your very own entrepreneurial journey.